Hey, welcome to our third episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We are your host, Charlie, of course, me. And Russell, me. Excellent. Well, we are going to get into a topic today, and before you're like, oh, wait a minute, you shouldn't talk about this topic or anything, it's history. And um, basically, we're going to be talking about the first black armored units, um, basically some of the heroic stuff that they did, um, and some stuff about some people and some things you didn't maybe knew, didn't know. I know when I was researching this and when Russell was researching this, we both looked at each other and were like, wow. So Russell, before we get started, any new lightning stories? Oh, not really. I mean, she's she was definitely a pain in the rear end today. She was all up in my stuff and giving me all kinds of issues and really wanting the attention today. But other than that, that's anytime I'm home, that's how she acts usually. Well, we're getting a lot of response from uh, our listeners, uh, you know, asking for more pictures about lightning and stuff like that. Uh, most of you have seen lightning putting her uh, head and Russell's iced tea. Russell drinks a lot of iced tea. <laughs> and so, as soon as he leaves it, lightning will stick her face in there. Um, I have also gotten a couple of emails from some of our uh, listeners about they were wanting to send catnip and cat toys and stuff. Um, apparently, there's a lady in uh, New Hampshire that wanted to sew a uh, little cat toy with some catnip in oh, it. Oh, that'd be great. She would but, enjoy that. Yeah. But it looks like a tank. Oh, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that gonna, would be really neat. Yep. So uh, Russell's going to work on uh, maybe an address or a P.O. box that you can stuff <laughs> to Lightning. And Lightning is here today. Um, she's strolling around, acting like she's, you know, owning the place. Well, she does own the well, place. Well, pretty much. Yeah, she does. You know, if she could talk, she it wouldn't be two tankers and a cat. It'd be a tanker cat, and that'd be <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to get started. Um, to give a little bit of history, um, how do I say this? There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about tank-wise. We're going to talk about the Stuart tank. Uh, if you're not familiar with the M5 uh, light tank, it was a reconnaissance tank with a 37-millimeter uh, gun. Yeah, 37 going against Tiger tanks. But you're also going to hear us talk about the M4. And now we don't want to get into debate if the M4 was better than the Tiger or if the Tiger was better. Um, pretty sure you can look that up yourself to make your own decisions. Um, we are going to do an episode on Tiger tanks. We are going to do an episode on M4s. So we're going to get started on the very first African-American black um, tank division. On January 13th in 1941, the U.S. Army established the 78th Tank Battalion, the first black armored unit. On March 1941, the tank tankers reported to Fort Knox, Kentucky to begin armored training warfare. Now, a lot of people are going to go, well, what type of tanks were they being trained with? And again, that was a Stuart. Um, believe it or not, the Stuart was pretty simple. It had a Cadillac motor, and uh, it was pretty simple to drive. But it would give, you know, the driver the 
basis of how to drive a tank. So it was a good training tank, but it was also a really good reconnaissance tank. Russell, how fast did that thing go? I think we said 37. Yeah, 36, 37 mile an hour, I believe it's Nice, nice. Yeah. But they uh, began their training in Fort Knox, uh, the Kentucky. Uh, the 78th Battalion was uh, redesignated at the as the 758th Tank Battalion. Now that was, of course, a light or light battalion. It was the first of three units that would form the all-black Fifth Tank Group. Yeah, in the tank group, they had the 784, uh, 761, the 758. Um, please forgive me; I'm going mostly off memory, off some of this stuff. Um, the 780, the 758 trained uh, like we were talking about with the M5. Light tank. Um, the 758th was permanently attached to 92nd Infantry Division until September 22nd, 45. When the unit unit was deactivated, the unit's insignia is the head of the black African uh, elephant with a large white tusk, accompanied by the motto "We Pierce." So, if you see the a- African elephant head. Uh, of course, the black elephant head. Uh, that was actually the uh, African American uh, battalion, right, or division or unit. Yeah, they'd be the 758th Battalion um, out of that tank group. That would have been their, uh, I guess, their motto. I guess you would say. Nice. And they paint that on their tanks too. Now, what a lot of you won't know, uh, the famous uh jackie robinson um who is the first african-american uh professional baseball player um he was actually in that division or in that battalion uh the 761st tank battalion and uh he he was you know a, a civil rights leader back then because he was in uniform and got on the bus and the bus driver told him get in the back of the bus, and he's like, I'm not going to get in the back of the bus. They actually even tried to court-martial him, and the the unit commander at the time said, no, no, we're not going to court-martial him. You know, that's that's stupid. Wow. So it was. it's just kind of a plus for the U.S. military to finally start to understand that there really didn't need to be a separation, that, you know, they all fought as Americans and they bled as Americans. Um, the 784th went into action in late December 1944, landing on, landing in France on Christmas Day, 1944. (laughs) That's a Merry Christmas, isn't it, Russ? Oh, wow. Yeah. Merry Christmas to them. Uh, the battalion consisted of six companies, uh, Abel Company, Baker, Charlie, and Dog, um, what, no cat? Well, yeah, what happened to the cat company? Oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Headquarters and service companies A, B, and C, um, those had M4s and the M4A3 medium tanks, while the D company had the M5A1 Stewart light tanks. Um, throw this out there. Um, me and Russell have been looking at so many variants of the M4. If anybody has information on the m4a3 um definitely messages 
we would like to have a little bit more information. We had no idea there were so many variants of the M4. And like I said, that's a, for a later episode. The 84th went into late action December 1944, landing in France on Christmas Day, 1944. The 761st Tank Battalion was an independent tank battalion of the United States Army during World War II. The 761st was made up primarily, primarily of African-American soldiers who by federal law were not permitted to serve along white troops. The military did not officially you know, desegregate until after World War II. Now, they were known as the Black Panthers. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, no, Black Panthers. No, this was actually the original, uh, if you see the tank and uh, some of the old pictures and the icons and, I guess, battalion insignias and some of the artworks. If you look it up, uh, they were known as the Black Panthers and... Their motto was come out fighting. Now, me and Russ both looked this up, and uh, we're going to try to add a picture of the Black Panthers insignia. It's actually pretty cool. Um, they got all sorts of awards and presidential uh, unit citations. Um, this is some of their awards included a Medal of Honor, eleven silver stars, and three hundred Purple Hearts. Um, they were. They have been called one of the most effective tank battalions in World War II. Now, here's where it gets really interesting for me. In October of 1944, General George Patton, who initially, you know, wasn't hot on the whole um, black tanker thing, um, sent a message to the War Department requesting more tankers. Uh, Basically, he was fighting German panzers and uh, Panther tanks, um, Panzer IVs. I, I think uh, uh, Brussels getting ready to do a story on the Jag Tiger. If you haven't ever seen a picture of a Jag Tiger, I would look that up before our next podcast because that is a beast. So he's running out of tankers, and unfortunately, the M4 um, tankers and well, if you're a tanker in Patton's army. You know, he was always go, 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 and he had a lot of casualties, a lot of knocked-out tanks, and he was short people. So he requested more tankers, and the only tanker left uh, was the uh, black uh, 761st, the Black Panthers. Well, our good, you know, General Patton, being the nice, calm guy he was, said, who the blankety-blank asked for color? Patton shot back in typical salty style. I asked for tankers. As the 761st was about to enter combat, George Patton reviewed the battalion and made a speech to the men, which offered a guarded vote of confidence in their ability. Now, here's where me and Russell thought that was great. If you've ever seen the movie Patton, if you haven't, you should. Now... People are going to go, you two tankers and a cat, have you really seen it? Because the movie, the the tanks were horrible. They were actually using Patton tanks and calling them Tigers. And they were using uh, Sherman tanks and calling them, you know, and poor Shermans. So, you know, it was a movie and, you know, they they had to use what, what it was worked for. But it's still pretty cool. If you get the... 
image of the tiger out of your tent, you know, a head, or you use a little movie imagination in your own head, it's actually pretty good. But he gives a speech, and uh, the beginning, and he's behind this American flag, and they never show the crowd because in the movie they wanted to stay pretty historically correct. But they were afraid that a lot of audience members wouldn't like him addressing black tankers or they didn't know about black tankers. But the speech that Russell is going to tell you or talk about is uh, he actually was giving a speech to those guys. Russell, can you tell us a little bit about the speech? Yeah, I'll uh, read the speech here. Um, Starts out by General Patton telling the, the black tankers that men... You're the first Negro tankers to ever fight in the American Army. I would never have asked for you if you weren't good. I have nothing but the best in my army. I don't care what color you are as long as you go up there and kill those kraut sons of bitches. Everyone has their eyes on you and and is expecting great things from you. Most of all, your race is looking forward to your success. Don't let them down. And damn you, don't let me down. They say it is patriotic to die for your country. Well, let's see how many patriots we can make out of those German sons of bitches. There's one thing you men will be able to say when you go home, he concluded. You may all thank God that 30 years from now, when you're sitting with your grandson on your knee, and he asks grandfather, what did you do in World War II? You won't have to say... I shoveled shit in Mississippi. <laughs> okay, if you're not familiar with Patton, he is pretty salty. Yeah, um, yes. He would probably not be a general today because the entire <laughs> world would be triggered. But if you get a chance to research him and talk about him, um, he, he, he was quite the character. Um, now, most people know about the Battle of the Bulge. During the Battle of the Bulge, German soldiers who had raided American warehouses were reported to be disguised as Americans guarding checkpoints in order to ambush American soldiers. Patton solved this problem by ordering black soldiers, including the 761st, to guard the checkpoints and gave the order to shoot any white soldiers at checkpoints who acted suspiciously. So here's here's a pretty good trick. And, of course, today, that probably wouldn't be politically correct, but he's like, I have black soldiers. I know the Nazis don't have any black soldiers. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm going to put them out to guard. So when you came up and there was an all-white guard system there, you were like, um, listen, Patton just came out and said that it would be people of color and these guys are talking with a little German accent. I think we should go ahead and machine gun them. (laughs) Um, If you don't know who Reuben Rivers was, he's a Medal of Honor uh, winner. And uh, for unusual heroism in serving with uh, Company A of the 761st, uh, the medal was awarded to Staff Sergeant Reuben Rivers in 1997. That's how long it took for people to say this guy was an American hero. Um, his citation is kind of amazing. The citation for extraordinary 
heroism in the action during the 1519, November 1944, push towards Groupland, France. Though severely wounded in his leg, Sergeant Rivers refused medical treatment and evacuation. He took command of another tank and advanced with his company in Groupland the next day. Repeatedly refusing evacuation, Rivers, Sergeant Rivers continued to direct tank fire at enemy positions through the morning of November 19, 1944. At dawn, Company A's tanks began to advance towards Bugendorf, uh, that's in France, but were stopped by enemy fire. Sergeant Rivers, joined by another tank, opened fire on the enemy tanks, covering Company A as they withdrew. While doing so, Sergeant River Tank was hit, killing him and wounding him. Staff Sergeant River's fighting spirit and daring leadership was the inspiration to his unit and exemplified the highest traditions of the military service. So, here he is, him and another tank. They run into these enemy tanks. Um, I guess... You you might want to know what he ran into. Now remember, he's in an M4 Sherman. And we're going to talk about the Jag Tigers. At daylight, as daylight slowly arrived, cold and frosty, within the thin crust of sleet over the snow, out of the fog came rumbling Jag Tigers, the heaviest of Hitler's armor, monsters armed with fearsome 128th SPA guns and machine guns, uh, the, were the MG-34s, which were terrible, terrible guns. They'd just burp and destroy everything. The Tigers belched flame and seemed to scorch light out of the morning. Uh, German anti-tank positions concealed on the far side of the slope beyond the hedgerows lit up the great gray sky. Barrages of explosions stomped all over the ground. Intersection, two Black Panther tanks were knocked out immediately killing Bob Hammond and Roderick Irwin. Pull back, pull back, Panthers, came an order from the company commander. I see them, we'll fight them, Rivers responded. His tank darted from cover side by side with the Sherman commanded by Sergeant Walter James. Outnumbered, outgunned, the two iron steeds charged, diverting the German onslaught long enough for the Americans caught in the open to withdraw and regroup. So let's take a look at what that battle is. You're talking about it's very, very cold. It's sleeting. Ice is everywhere. Okay. They're moving forward. They're like, oh, we can take this town. We're going to be in good shape. That's him and one other M4. Now his guys are out in the open coming up on this town. Here come these Jag Tigers supported by anti-tanks start blasting them. They're going to get they're going to get annihilated. These two guys charge them. Says, "No, no, no. We're going to cover you. We're going in." What do you think, Russ? Yeah, that's just incredible. I mean, you know the conditions even inside the tank. I'm not even sure if they had heat back then for fighting in the winter time. My guess is their only heat they had is what what they had around them. Their coats and gloves and all that stuff is my guess so i mean yeah the conditions would have just been crazy um and that goes on to say then a high explosive shell caught river's tank and cracked it like an egg the second shell finished the job striking the turret 
and almost ripping River's body in two parts. River's tank continued to smoke out on the field uh, battle for the rest of the day as American forces rallied and repelled the attack and secured the town. The Black Panther from Oklahoma, who would not quit, was dead. You know, here's a uh, African-American who knew, who got to meet George Patton, got to serve in one of his tank divisions, and knew how important it was, not as a black man, but as an American, to, you know, help his people out, you know, and he charged with an M4 against a Jag Tiger. It's going to be hard to explain, and Russ is going to get into the Jag Tiger because that's one of our favorite tanks, but there is no way, even me today, I would never get an M4 and charge yeah, a Jag Tiger. That, that would just be suicide yeah. in my in my book. I mean, that's just crazy. But this is the man who did it, Yeah, and a bigger man than we are. Yeah, I agree. Now we're going to talk a little about uh, a little bit about the baddest man in the 761st, um, Tank Commander Sergeant Warren uh, Creasy, uh, came to the aid of his men on uh, November 10th, 1944, and fought through any posi- positions until his tank was destroyed. He eliminated the enemy tank position uh, that it, uh, had knocked out his tank by commandeering a vehicle armed with only a 30 caliber machine gun. He then killed the Germans' uh, forward observers who were directing artillery fire on the U.S. positions. After manning a replacement tank, his tank gets knocked out. He grabs a 30 caliber machine gun and shoots up the German scouts so they'll quit directing fire, killing U.S. troops. And then he goes back and says, I need another tank. Now now that's a man. Put me back Uh, in another tank. That's a bad man. Um, uh, Creasy's new vehicle lost traction in the heavy mud and he was forced to exit the tank under fierce machine gun fire, anti-tank and artillery fire to free it. When attacked by German infantry, he had to abandon his salvage efforts to man the 50 caliber machine guns, stopping the enemy advance and forcing them to withdraw. Now people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why does the, where did the 50 caliber come from? The old M4 Shermans. Um, had a 50 cal mounted on top, and that was actually used as an anti-aircraft gun to help protect um, U.S. you know tanks from uh, airplanes. And you know when they'd come down to strafe, you know a 50 caliber will tear tear up a um, airplane pretty quick. Yeah. So it was basically an anti-aircraft machine gun. So his tank gets stuck he jumps out starts to dig it out by hand in the freezing cold and they are charging him and he's like oh, can't you see him working he jumps up on his tank cocks it back and starts unloading on these guys driving them back that's a bad man yeah um he was described as a baby face quiet easygoing meek looking fellow uh crazy had destroyed an anti tank uh, position and a number of German machine guns uh, only armed with a machine gun and without regard for his personal safety under heavy fire his men reportedly experienced difficulty getting the machine gun away from him after the action (laughs) 
He's like, give us a machine gun. He's like, no, man. I'm <laughs> not going to give that up. Yeah, I ain't giving that up. But everybody's like, oh, what do you mean machine gun? Well, um, the M4s, if you didn't know, was actually shipped um, with machine guns in it. They'd give them the old uh, Thompson machine guns. Not the barrel ones, but the uh, long magazine ones. And uh, they actually had those in there. So if you can imagine him carrying this Tommy gun chasing after these guys and jumping into uh, anti-tank guns and artillery positions and just mowing them down. That's a bad man. Yeah, yeah. I call this guy a real soldier right here. Yep. Uh, Chrissy was nominated for the Medal of Honor and received a battlefield commission, eventually retiring to the rank of major at 25. His heroic actions earned him the, the title of the baddest man in the 761st from his comrades. You know, I'm sorry we get excited, and you can tell on our voices that we get excited, even though we've read these stories over and over. But if you can picture in your head, this is a bad man. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of us are, and I know Russ is a big tank movie fan, and there's a lot of terrible tank movies out there. <laughs> there, <laughs> there really is. What I've checked into that... If you didn't know, there the NBA Hall of Famer Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he actually authored a book on this. So if you want to learn more about the African American tankers and stuff, um, he wrote a book, and it's called Brothers in Arms. Kind of wordplay, if you can figure that out. Um, the epic story of the 761st Tank Battalion, World War II's Forgotten Heroes. Now, here's the neat thing: Kareem. And Morgan Freeman, the actor, uh, are actually friends, and they are co-producing a new movie about the 761st based on uh, Kareem's and and co-writer Anthony Walton's 2004 book. Apparently, Foreman, uh, Freeman has talked to Will Smith and Denzel Washington, some of the other uh, big African-American stars that we have. So hopefully in the future we'll be seeing a movie, and we did a podcast before they even started the yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, that would be really neat if they would do that. Just amazing. I mean, they've already done it with the, you know, the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. With the movie they made. And Was that Red yeah. Red Tails? Red Tails, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you haven't seen that movie, yeah. that's actually pretty good. Yeah. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a airplane guy. Yeah. But I always appreciate, you know, going to the museums and, Russell has drugged me to a lot of Air Force museums, and I've always walked away going, man, I am glad you brought me. That was really great. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of cool stuff out there. Yeah, again, you know I, how I always stand up in, in the podcast and say, it's important that you support your local VFWs, uh, museums that do military history. Go to them, tell them you appreciate them, See if you can volunteer it there. It, it's important. Yeah, very much so. Uh, also, I want to add to that is, is that you guys out there may not realize how many museums there are that have tank displays and military displays. And yes, we will get into those very much so in our future podcasts. And we will talk about where you can actually go to and, and see these displays. We are actually working um, on our first big trip. Um, 
I think you want to go down to Georgia. Yeah, that's kind of what I'd like to do. Do down to Fort Benning and do a podcast. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever hear us doing a podcast from a museum, we're going to try to make it big. Um, probably we're going to do one from Liberty Memorial in Kansas City. But uh, that'd be great. And we're going to try to put some video and stuff up on there. I keep talking about the Jag Tiger, and I know it's a big part of yours. Let's go ahead and, you know what? Let's go ahead and talk about the Jag Tiger. I'm so excited to talk about it. And we should maybe do a Tank of the Week when we do a podcast. What do you think, Russ? Yeah, I think that'd probably be a good idea. We'll kind of highlight a one particular tank out of the out of that episode, and I think that'd be a good idea. Um, Russ, let's go ahead and try this. You know, and if people don't like it, they can always message us and say, wow. Yeah. And if people like it, we'll definitely add it to every podcast. Yeah. All right. So the tank of the week is the Jag Tiger. But tell us a little bit about Russell. Yeah. The Jag Tiger is the common name of a German turretless heavy tank destroyer um, during the World War II time period. The official German designation was the, I'd probably butchered if I even tried to say it, to be honest with you, the Panzerheger Tiger also B. Um, it was based on a lengthened Tiger II chassis, which, to be honest with you, until I actually did a little research on this, I had no idea that that's the chassis that it was built on. Just a little bit lengthened uh, version of the Tiger II. The 71-ton Jag Tiger was the heaviest armored fighting vehicle used operationally during World War II, and it is the heaviest armored vehicle of any type to achieve series production. Uh, it's, It's an incredible beast is what it is. So my question to you, when you say operational, this is one they actually had on the production line, got out in the field, and was actually used in battle. Exactly, yes. Because um, I know a, p- a lot of people are saying, well, that's not the heaviest tank, and, and you know, the mouse, and even the rat that was on the <laughs> design board. Yeah. But we're talking about actual tanks were out shooting. This is the heaviest one? Yeah. Wow. Can you tell us some more? Uh, the vehicle carried a 128-millimeter Pack 44 L-55 main gun. Well, hello, Lightning. How you doing? If you guys nice didn't see di- you up here. Yeah. If you guys didn't just hear the... <laughs> yeah. She jumped up here again. I don't know if the microphone caught that or not. But yeah, she made a little noise while she jumped up here on the desk to join us. Uh, anyway, getting back to the, the main gun that it carried. Uh, it was 128mm Pack 44 uh, L-55 main gun. It was capable of outranging and defeating... Any Allied tank, which really is an incredible feat uh, during World War II. It saw service in small numbers from late 1944 to the end of the war, both on the western and eastern fronts. Uh, They ordered um, 150, were actually ordered, but only between about 70 and 88 were produced. So... Yeah, they wasn't a whole lot of them, but they did see some action. Well, well, we know they saw some action, but yeah. because uh, our uh, Sergeant Rivers, the uh, tank got it, cracked by one and it killed him. Exactly. Yes. Um, 
Now, Russell, one of the things I wanted to bring up, you're saying it was a 70-ton tank or a 75-ton tank. Uh, let me ask you this. Weren't the roads back then almost all mud? And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you imagine oh, how many times yeah, that thing got stuck? Yeah, probably quite often, to be honest with you. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, is that classified as a tank or a tank destroyer? It's classified as a tank destroyer. I mean, it, it was mainly a tank hunter to take out other tanks. The other tanks. Yeah, wow. That's what it was designed for. Um, I know you said it had 128. Now, I know, or 128 millimeter, and I know a lot of people out there know about the Jag Tiger 88. Um, me and both Russell both have Jag Tiger 88s in yeah. the game World of Tanks. <laughs> we, we love them. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes, I do. Um, what, what was, I mean, how was the gun mounted? Did it have a turret? No, actually they don't. Um, German tank destroyers, uh, during World War II, they f- used fixed, what they called casemates, instead of movable turrets. The reason for that is that it significantly reduced the cost, the weight of the machine, and, and the materials used for, for mounting the large caliber guns. So, no, it, it did not have a movable turret at all. See, Russell's more of an expert on, you know, different type of tank destroyers, whether it be the Russians and Germans. I, I'm a big fan of the American tank destroyers yeah. and, and, like, the Hellcat and some of the other tank destroyers we had, like the T-67. But uh, a lot of people don't know about the Hellcat. You actually had to move it by hand. It wasn't automatic. But these guys... They, they just put a big gun on the front and said anything in front's dead. Yeah, yeah. So they true. really weren't worried about speed and mobility. They were more about we'll crush anything in front of us. Yeah, exactly. It's usually what's in front of you. It's what uh, they were after. Can you tell us a little bit about the production? They initially ordered about 150 of the Egg Tigers, um, but like I mentioned earlier, only about. 70 to 88 of the actual machines were produced. They produced them at St. Valentin. Now, that's in Germany, right? Germany, yeah. St. Valentin, Germany. Um, from about July 1944 through about May of 1945. That's when they produced those 70 to 88 that they produced. Russell, tell me a little bit about the combat history besides... Uh, Sergeant Rivers' unfortunate incident with the Jag Tiger. Some of the history um, was some of the combat that the Jag Tigers had seen. Um, they only had two heavy anti-tank battalions that were equipped with the Jag Tigers. Um, with the first vehicles reaching the units in about September of 1944. Um, 20% of those Jag Tigers were lost in combat. Most were destroyed by their own crews, believe it or not, when they had to abandon them. So they would destroy them to to keep the enemy from taking the machine over. Now, when you say the crews, why, why, what was the chief reason for these breakdowns? More than likely, it was a mechanical issue. Um, that was their main reason for breaking down all the time. Uh, lack of fuel in the final stages of the war. I know we've all kind of read about that in the history books to where the, the Germans had issues on 
having enough fuel to run their machines. Wow. Yeah, and that was a big, well, Germany back then was so falling apart. We're talking about the latter part of the war. So basically you're saying some of these tanks just ran out of gas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just didn't have the fuel to run them. And they were like, uh, no, the Americans are going to gas these up and turn them around. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about these combat history. Yeah. Um, during World War II, uh, it was told that one Tiger climbed a hill to attack five American tanks about 600 meters away. Uh, two withdrew and the other three opened fire. Uh, the Tiger took several hits, but American projectiles could not penetrate the 250 millimeter frontal armor. Believe it or not, the Americans didn't have a whole lot of projectiles that could penetrate that kind of armor. Um, the inexperienced German commanders lost their nerve and wound up turning around instead of backing down, exposing the center, the, the thinner side armor, which was eventually penetrated and all six crew members were lost. Well, now, now this is a pretty funny story to me, and I'm sure at the time, and I'm not trying to make light of this, this German tank commander is coming up the hill, and there's five American tanks to bail. They're like, nope, that's yeah. a Jag Tiger. Get me out of here. <laughs> That'd be me and Russ and our <laughs> tanks. We're like, hey, we're out. See ya. We can outrun this thing, so we're, we're, we're gone. Bye. Yeah. So it comes up. These other three are just firing bouncing 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 but this german tank commander is sitting there going man they're shooting the crap at us we got to get out of here yeah and they turned to their side and of course their yeah side armor got they're, them killed they're done so yeah. here's here's a gaming tip for uh, armor warfare and world of tanks and war thunder if you can shoot them in the side you're gonna you're gonna yeah. tear them up you'll take them out pretty quick um russell tell us about some of the surviving tanks Yes, um, currently there are three Egg Tigers that survive in museums today. The first one that I'll mention is at the Tank Museum, Bovington, England. Oh, uh, we have to go there. Oh, someday. I know it is on our list. It's it our to-do list for sure. Um, that particular Egg Tiger was captured by British troops in April 1945 in Germany, where it was being used for trials. I mean, it was, they were out just starting to use it. Wow. And it was captured. Where's one of the other ones? And try to find us something local we can go to. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, we do have one in the United States of America. Um, it's at the National Armor and Cavalry Museum in Fort Benning, Georgia. We've got to go. Oh, yes. Yes. I agree 100%. That is definitely at the top of our to do list. Um, that particular Yag Tiger, it was produced in October 1944, and was attached to the to the main German tank group that that had these Yag Tigers. Wow! Um, so we actually captured one. Yeah. No wonder the crews were burning them up. Yeah. They're yeah. like, hey, they're going to make museum pieces out of yeah. lightning. Get off me! <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, lightning is all over us tonight. Um, yeah, this particular. At this this particular Jag Tiger at this museum, it was captured in Germany in March of 1945, and damage is still visible on the gun mantlet, the glacius plate, and the 
lower nose, nose armor. Now, when we do uh, get down to the museum, we will do a podcast, and we will be taking pictures of this Jag Tiger for everybody. Now, out of 88 tanks, you said there's three survivors. We got two. Where's the other one? Yeah, the third survivor is in the Kobinka Tank Museum near Moscow, Russia. Um, this vehicle is a Hinchel variant. It was acquired by Soviet forces when Germans equipped with four Egg Tigers surrendered in Austria on May 5th of 1945. So that's how it was actually captured. And, and today it sits in this museum in Moscow. Wow. Um, unfortunately, we would love to go to the Kabinka Tank Museum, um, but uh, hey, we can we, always put it on our list. We can put it on the <laughs> list. Um, there's besides getting the passports and the visas and everything else. Um, I had talked to a friend of mine, and he was actually saying that they actually had to hire mafia to protect them when they were going down oh, there wow. in transportation. So their Uber drivers were actually mafia-related. Wow. So, hey. Yeah, that's way down on our list now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any history about some of the tanker units? Yeah, were? I found a, a pretty interesting diary, believe it or not, of a Jagdtiger German, from a Jagdtiger German unit in World War II. Um, and it kind of explains some of the some of the neat stuff that they went through. I mean, inside a Yag Tiger and day-to-day life. And I think what I'll do from here is kind of read some of that from that diary and give you everybody out there an idea of some of the things they seen. That would be awesome. After about 200 kilometers of travel, six Yag Tigers had heavy engine failures, while four had light engine failures. These damages were mainly due to the weight of the Yag Tiger, pushing the capacity of the Tiger II chassis and Maybach HL230 P30 engine to the limit. On February 1st, 1945, out of 41 Yag Tigers, only 22 were operational. So only 22 out of 41 were operational. So basically what you're saying is 41 of these tanks drove 200 kilometers and they start falling apart yeah yeah okay now this would be a good time to bring up the m4 sherman was probably a little bit better compared to that yeah i agree a little more dependable yeah and the other thing with the sherman is you got to remember they build about fifty thousand of the things so they always had a lot more to replace the ones that did fall out now if you were going to tow one of these things what would you need in order to tow a, a Jag Tiger, you actually had to have, actually the Germans used two different other huge machines that they came out and got these things with. It was just incredible what it took. So it actually took three different tank-like machines to, to tow one of these back in. Now, I know from a little bit of history and our listeners should, you know, send us some emails and some questions. Um, one of, one of the frames that the Germans used was the SDKFZ nine, but I thought that was artillery. So if you guys know this, please write in and tell Russell how dumb I am. 
But go ahead, Russell. Heck, and they may have used a couple of these to, to help them tow it in, to be honest with you. That may have been some of the couple of machines they had to use to help tow them back. On March 14th, 1945, during a nighttime battle, a U.S. column is destroyed. The following day, French colonial forces crossed the Motor River at Oberhofen with this particular German unit uh, firing at attackers. On March 16th, as Unit 653 of the Germans uh, counterattacked, seven Jagdtigers were disabled by fighter bombers and artillery. Only two could be salvaged, the remaining being destroyed by their crew. Two further Jagdtigers were destroyed by their crew on 17th, 18th, and 22nd of March um, during rear guard action. So they did not fare very well. Really. So their French colonials, a lot of the French troops that they were using, helped them counterattack. But the M4 wasn't really good fighting them up front, so we were using artillery and aircraft to knock them out. Yeah. <laughs> good idea. Yeah, exactly. good idea. Yeah. Uh, I support that decision. And it was a huge target from the air, too. So, All right, go on and give us some more details. This is actually pretty interesting. On March 22nd um, of that year, um, three Ag Tigers of Unit 653 near the city of Bowl reported to have destroyed nine tanks and two armored cars. So, wow, they had a they had a good day on that particular day, uh, destroying some some huh. enemy tanks, finally. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got to remember, the Americans were the enemy, so yeah. somebody, somebody had a oh, bad yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, the Americans had a bad day, probably. After an artillery barrage and infantry attacked, one Tiger was destroyed to prevent capture while another was destroyed by artillery. So they lost one by... Them destroying by it. By them destroying their own, since they... And then the other one got hit by artillery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, An antar- artillery round right through the roof of that, one yeah, of those things, yeah. would... Yeah, yeah that it was not take the, much. Yeah. That was the end of that tank. Yeah. Uh, unit 653 took up position in the city of Neustadt from where they attacked U.S. armored forces reporting a total of 25 tanks and tank destroyers destroyed. While the Egg Tigers were hit, were hit several times by U.S. anti-tank rounds, none of the shells actually penetrated. One of the Egg Tigers broke down, and another ran out of ammunition and was destroyed, while the last crossed the Rhine. How many tank, um, How many American tanks and tank destroyers <laughs> yeah. they wipe out? You said 25? 25 on this day, yeah. And they destroyed one of their own tanks because yeah. it ran out of shells. Ran out of shells, yeah. Okay, that was a bad day for us. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah, when this thing was... When this darn Yag Tigers were fired up and, and going, <laughs> they sent out some rounds, to be honest with you, and caused some damage. And I think we'll get into discussion later about one of the problems is the jag tiger was you know a beast but they only made 88 and we yeah. made fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah you know m4s yeah, yeah. so you're just going to lose by yeah. attrition there yeah uh on march 30th um three ag tigers out of eight operational were sent to counter an approaching u.s unit uh, while the rest of the unit retreated one bogged down in other words probably got stuck in the mud yeah. in the mud 
while the other lost a track when fired upon by a medium M4 tank. Yay and, for the M4. And it was substantially destroyed. S- yeah, it was actually destroyed by the M4. Well, I don't think the M4 destroyed it. I think they blew the track <laughs> off and the guys yeah. were like, well, we can't let them capture yeah. this baby, so yeah. go ahead and light yeah. it up. And then on April 5th, while fighting French forces this time, um, one Yag Tiger is destroyed and another breaks down and is destroyed by its crew. Uh, until April 16th, a further 10 Yag Tigers are destroyed by their crews. Three are lost during the Battle of Nuremberg. And on April 26th, out of the 14 Yag Tigers, only one is operational at this point. See, yeah, you know, I don't want to get into this whole. M4s were junk. Yeah. But they ran. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, you can yeah. say, oh, well, the 105 gun that was on the M4 was bad or the 76 or, you know what? For what we needed, it seems yeah. like we were doing pretty good. Yeah. It's true. And it, and it seemed like the Yag Tigers, um, since they were prone to breakdowns, um, like I talked about a little bit ago, I mean, they had breakdowns like crazy because of how heavy they were and reading through the diary here, you know, day to day fighting with them. It, it seems like more of them were probably damaged or taken out by their own crews that didn't want to leave them behind to be captured. You know, I, I think I did see pictures of the, the Jag tiger that they did catch and is down in Fort Benning. And from what I understand, they did use it. Um, not for, as a tank destroyer, but they were like using it to move troops, and uh, yeah. it and it broke down there. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. uh, you know what? These things are junk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're not calling the Jag Tiger hey, junk. No, hey, it was it, it was an amazing war machine yes. at the time. You know, you can have the best car in the world, but if it only goes two hundred miles and breaks down, you, true. You might want to buy a Kia. That is true. Yes. <laughs> can you give us a little uh, just stats on the tank? Yeah, um, going back, it was actually produced between 1944 and 1945. Uh, like I said, it weighed between about 70 and 72 tons, 158,000 pounds. And it was made on a Tiger II frame? Chassis, yeah, chassis. They used the chassis of the Tiger II and, uh, and built the, onto it. And the Tiger II was not meant to take that much weight. No, no. Uh, no wonder it kept yeah, snapping everything yeah. and getting bogged down. Yeah, that was a big issue. Uh, it was about thir- 34 feet, 11 inches long, um, including the gun. About 11 feet, 10 inches wide. Wow. And about 9 foot, 2 inches tall. Um, it had six crew members. It had a commander, a gunner a loader, an assistant loader, a driver, and an assistant driver. So, well, well <laughs> with that size of gun, you're going to need yeah, two guys yeah. just to lift the shell. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's Yeah, so it had six people inside that beast. Now, you were talking about the front armor. How much? How thick was that casemate? Yeah, the casemate, casemate armor was 250 millimeters, um, which in English comes out to about... 9.84 inches thick. Almost 10 inches. Almost 10 inches thick on the front. Uh, the hull, it had about 150 millimeters, or that converts into almost 6 inches of hull armor. Uh, the sides, which we talked about earlier, 80 millimeter armor, which 
comes out to about three inches. About three inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Note to future tank commanders. Yes. Point the heavy, <laughs> the heavy stuff towards the side <laughs> and the rear. Don't give them the sides <laughs> and the rear. If you're driving in one of these tanks, don't give them your sides yes. or rears. Yes. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, the rears got about the same as the sides, about three inches of armor. Now, on it had one back. big gun. What was the secondary arm, arm, armor? Um, they had one, yeah, the big, besides the big gun, they had one 7.92 millimeter MG34. Um, and we talked about the engine. How many horsepower? 690 horsepower on that thing. And it probably still wasn't enough. <laughs> they probably could have used a lot more. And it wasn't pushing the thing hardly. Yeah. yeah. When you were saying it started to climb a hill, it must have been just just crawling yeah, up there. That's, that's incredible. That's why these three American tanks were sitting there just shooting at it, shooting yeah, at it. Yeah. What was the operational ranges? Um, they had a range of about seventy-five miles on a road, or about fifty miles off-road. So off-road definitely slowed them down quite a bit. So with a full tank of gas, yeah, they're going seventy-five down the road. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it was what 120 kilometers. Yeah, and they went 200 kilometers and all broke down. Yeah, yeah. so so they basically got to burn one tank of gas and that was about that it. That was about it. Yeah. What was the top speed on that? They went about 34 kilometers an hour, or in English, about 21 mile an hour. So not very fast. So that's wide open on a yeah. flat plane. Yeah, and 21. I think I can walk that fast. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. this is a great, you know, tank, and it's a boy. You can't, you can't stop it. Yeah. But wait, wait, don't walk behind it. <laughs> hey, what are you doing with that grenade? <laughs> what are you doing with that bazooka? <laughs> because it couldn't turn its turret around, could it? No, nope, not at all. <laughs> oh wow, you're talking about somebody having to open the back door to shoot somebody <laughs> yeah. that's behind them. Uh, probably, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 that's a great story. I, yeah. I'm glad we did this. A, a little, but if you guys didn't enjoy our tank of the week, uh, definitely let us know. Yeah. Mm, Russ, can you tell us anything about people contacting? I keep telling everybody they can contact us. What are some of the ways they can contact us? Yeah. Um, they can. Sc- Get a hold of us. Um, best way to probably get a hold of us with just a message or pictures or anything like that. Uh, two tankers and cat at gmail.com. T W O T A N K E R S A N D C A T at gmail.com. Uh, you can get to our podcast if you want to get to it directly. You can go to two tankers and cat dot podbean dot com. T-W-O-T-A-N-K-E-R-S-A-N-D-C-A-T dot podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. You can also get reaches at uh, Facebook now. Um, I've set up a Facebook site. Just do a search in the search bar up above for two tankers and cat, and you'll be able to find our page there on Facebook. And so far, our people have just contacted us all over, and it's amazing. The podcast goes all the way. We've got one lady in England. Uh, I think her name is Donna. She's saying, oh, I just loved it, and there's just so much information. And I'm like, are you a tank fan? And she goes, 
Uh, no, not at all. But I, I'm a history fan. I'm like, great, great, great. Exactly. And then I do want to push that too. If 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 you're into history, if you're into military history, I'll guarantee you we're catering to you guys too out there. I mean, this this these are great history lessons for anybody that want to wants to learn. Well, in closing, um, lightning, get down. Gosh. Holy moly, you've been a pain tonight. <laughs> um, we are going to post, post some more pictures and maybe some video of lightning. Uh, we are planning some trips. Uh, I've had several of you uh, reach out and say that you were wanting to uh, maybe support us in different ways, financial and other ways. We haven't set up a Patreon yet. No, we have not. Uh, right and now, this is all, all our on our time, and we're doing this for you and and us because we really enjoy yes. talking about tanks. Yes, we do. So please contact us. Got any final closing thoughts? I just want to say happy tanking, and until the next episode, this is Russell, and this is Charlie. See you on the other side. Why didn't you get down? Holy cow! Okay.